You've just entered a safe, relaxed, and open forum where you can allow your imagination to take you places you normally dare not go. Welcome to The Fourth Dimension with Toby C., where we discuss evil resistance in the early efforts of sobriety. Here's Toby. It's Toby. Name of the show, Fourth Dimension. Guest, Susan C. Subject, the devil. Ooh. <laughs> hey, listen, um, we're not going to talk about the Garden of Eden. We're not going to talk about the tree of forbidden fruit. We're not going to talk about sin. We're going to talk about the snake. Ooh. How about that? Susan C., welcome. Well, thank you for having me. Glad you're here. And if you're just joining us for the first time, this is uh, this show is the same every single episode, except we have a new guest that's going to be telling us a couple of ghost stories. Who doesn't like a good ghost story, right, Susan? Oh, ghost stories are perfect. Yeah. So I guess I have to do a quick monologue to make sure that we kind of get a warm-up here, to make sure that the listener, if it is your first time, that um, you understand that this show is not about the devil, although you are going to be hearing us talk about the evil one, whatever you want to call it, Lucifer, the fallen angel, dark spirit, bad luck, whatever you want to call it. Um, but bear in mind that uh, don't take the devil lightly. You know, we always hear in recovery, God this and God that, God did for me what I couldn't do for myself, and God that, and uh, there is only one who has all power, and that one is God. May you find Him now, and and that's the deal. It is about God. It's about a God consciousness. That's what recovery is. If I may be so bold to quote a little big book, Susan, because you know I am a big book thumper. Um, people in twelve step recovery, especially in AA. They agree, according to page 567, that in order to recover, they must acquire an immediate and overwhelming God consciousness, followed at once by a vast change in feeling and outlook. So what we're talking about is God consciousness as, the, as one of the, the keys to recovery. This show is going to be talking about the opposite of God consciousness. We're going to be talking about the consciousness of what, Susan? This is a very deep question. <laughs> the devil. <laughs> just say it. Just the evil one. Just, I don't know. What do you think? Honestly, and again, this is kind of a warm up as we get to know Susan before we warm up into a couple of good ghost stories. Have you had trouble talking about the devil or saying the devil or talking about Satan? What's your history? Seriously. Do you I think? don't have a problem talking about any subject. I am a person who believes that what you believe is what you receive. It's that simple. And that's why if you get into the God consciousness, what you seek, you will find. And so for me, all of my darkness came from, I'm sure you put it together now, through my dark thinking and, and what I was vibrating at the time. You want to call it the devil? Yeah, Put on the ears and the tail and the whole nine yards. You can make it whatever you want. Thank but you. it was chasing me. There you go. You know, again, one of the nice things about radio, 
of course, this is going to be a podcast, although it's formatted for a one-hour radio show. But the nice thing about radio is we can use our imagination, see? And, um, and yeah, you can imagine uh, a tail and horns and, and, and the whole deal, a forked tongue if you want. i got a couple of reptiles that I live with that kind of look like that. But, again, all joking aside, see, um, and I've mentioned this before, one of the biggest tricks that the devil plays on us is getting the entire world to pretend that he doesn't exist, see? Agreed. To, to ignore the evil one, and that's fun. And all we're asking is that you pay attention to some of the things that might be happening to you in early recovery. This show is tailored for people who are really struggling in early recovery, who are having a lot of bad luck, a lot of discouraging moments and experiences, and we simply want to open your mind up to the fact that it might be other than his fault or her fault or its fault or God's fault, there might be another player involved. And to be aware of this interference and how we may open ourselves up to this interference. How about that? That's all we're trying to do. It's a, this is a show on imagination and open-mindedness to something that really doesn't want us to get better at our, at our deepest, most desperate moments where, you know, and so many of us, I don't know about you, Susan, did you, did you hit a bottom and did you at your bottom, do you remember crying out, God help me. Oh, yeah. It was a profound moment, too. You know, I had yeah. a few things happen, very profound things. And, and at that bottom when, I don't know, I guess it was an appointed time. It feels like it when I look back. But uh, I was on my knees. I was in, in a room in a very, very expensive mansion in Orange County. I was very uh, lucky to live in at the time through a very good friend, and um, I was seeking. I was looking for something better than where I was. I had no recovery. I had nothing. I was alone. The loneliness was like something I was constantly covering up. I felt empty. I was going to hotels to see people from other countries that, that, that you know, Ama, the hugger, and—, and all these different things, seeking, searching, searching for the source, searching for the, quote, God, unquote, um, going through this quest in my life while I was drinking and whatever. But the bottom line is, or on and off, but the bottom line at that time, if we're talking about a bottom, uh, the bottom line was that when I cried out, you know, uh, I knew something dark was chasing me. I go. knew it. And I knew it was because each day I felt it. I felt it on the freeway. I felt it in in yeah. in areas where I would go into. I was living in Los Angeles at the time, and I felt it. It was dark. Right. Now, again, back to that moment of desperation when, when you were at the bottom. Did you actually say, God help me? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> okay. I'll tell you, there's just no denying the existence of God at that most desperate moment, is it? I well, mean, it's boy. funny how everybody cries out for God at that desperate moment, but they got this, ha, 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 yeah. and up we until get, then, yeah. and, and, <laughs> and quite, so did I. And, some, and quite often we get distracted, mm-hmm. and, uh, and the distraction certainly can be one of our biggest obstacles in early recovery. And sometimes um, some of the things that we do open ourselves up to be distracted, Energetic and, transference. Uh, yeah, and and again, if we're if we move in a dark direction, darkness begets darkness. 
So that's all we're going to be doing here. Uh, by the way, if you're just joining us, I'm here with Susan C. And um, the, of course, my, I'm the host. My name is Toby C. And the show is called The Fourth Dimension with Toby C. And our subject is evil resistance during early recovery. And again, we're just trying to open up our minds. And before we mash out a couple of, uh, of good ghost stories with, with Susan, Again, just uh, again, we're not going to be talking about drunkologues. We're not talking about the philosophy of the existence of the devil. We're not doing, talking about any of that. We're going to be talking about uh, the fact that that maybe the relevance of God was missing because the figure of the devil was missing. Okay, we couldn't imagine that there's that there's something evil and dark. Okay, and we weren't really paying attention uh, as much as we could have. Had we feared the darkness, you know, this darkness that chases us. You talked about this, Susan, you know, and it doesn't have to be uh, a fire-breathing, horn-laden, tail-dragging, you know, demon. It can be something as simple as bad luck or bad timing or quite often bad choices. You know, hey, listen, we don't give ourselves so much credit, okay? You know, bad choices, bad decisions. Come on. Sometimes we we get a little unexpected help. What do you think, Susan? Well, I I think so. I think there are moments when we reach out and we get that. But you talk about dark. It's like every time I did not have a God consciousness, that's where I was. I mean, if there's other people here that are that are listening because, you know, this is a, a discussion about that, then the truth of the matter is, if that can be identified with, it took me to strip clubs. It took me to bad relationships. It took me to thinking that money was the uh, answer to my problems and if I just pursued my career better or found a better mate or whatever it was. And I was constantly looking. So I had bad accidents on the freeway. My head was never present. Uh, They were not caused by me. I was not under the influence. It happened weirdly. Talk about bad luck. Well, bad luck is because I wasn't present. I was always up in my head thinking dark thoughts or how I'm going to solve my problems without what? The God consciousness. There you go. And so when we open ourselves up to self-centered dark thoughts, dark things happen. And it's that simple, you know? I mean, uh, but we deny ourselves the reality of these experiences. Again, you know, bad luck, bad timing, bad choices, his fault, her fault, God's fault. Okay, we blame God sometimes. Sure we do. We're terribly disappointed Mine was always, where were you when I needed to be protected even from my own self? That was a big deal. Yeah. I carried the word blame, and that was real dark. And you want to talk about the devil? If there is a devil out there, that's what I think is used a lot. I think it's a twist. Yeah, you might, believing's one thing, believing in God, believing there's a devil. But the bottom line is I twisted into where were you to protect me in from my own self, if you love me so much, and that's what I was running on for a long time. And that was and anger. Was, and that was anger toward God, Susan, wasn't it? It was. And and that's that's what the devil wants. And I felt shame the, for it. The devil wants us to be angry at God. How do we profess our anger toward God? God damn it! There it is. Okay. When we're not getting our way and we want to blame God, boy, isn't that an easy 
thing to roll off of our tongues, how easy it is to roll off our tongues, how convenient. How about judgment? Sure. How about standing, you know, thinking you're above someone else because you're this or you're that? Oh, yeah, we're going to be talking about that. That's another one. By the way, before we we break for this segment, you're from Los Angeles, or where are you from originally? Where were you born and and raised? I was born in Connecticut, Fairfield, Connecticut, in Norwalk Hospital, Norwalk. Uh, And then ended up out in the L.A. area and... Parents moved me out west uh, for career reasons um, to Los Angeles. Yep. And and you uh, ended up spending some time in the industry? Well, my father was in the industry when I was a little girl. He was a producer, and um, yeah, I, I leaned towards that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And was there some darkness in the industry, Susan? No, well, there's darkness everywhere. But yeah, there there's a lot of that that, that especially went on when I was a kid, but... Uh, it's still going on everywhere. If you're looking for it, you'll find it. If you're looking for darkness, you can find it anywhere. Absolutely. But you'll find the light too if you look for that. Quite often at the bottom. And something wants to deny us from moving toward that light at the bottom. We're going to be right back with Susan C. I'm Toby C. The name of the show is called The Fourth Dimension, talking about evil resistance during early recovery. We'll be right back with Susan C. imagination to take us places we might be afraid to go. You are entering the fourth dimension with Toby C. There is no such thing as coincidences. Here's Toby. Mashing it out with Susan C. Toby C. Fourth dimension. Is there an echo in here? I'm not supposed to repeat it because the intro says the the name of the show, but whatever. Listen. We're here with Susan C., and, and Susan did spend some time in the industry in L.A., and her father um, was a producer. And, um, you know, the industry is all about uh, illusion and entertainment and um, demonstration. Not so much about f- belief, but about evidence, you know, right? If there's paranormal, show me some evidence of paranormal, Right. A lot of scary movies about uh, Satan and the devil, what have you. But, gang, here's the deal. The devil is not to be demonstrated. It is to be believed, okay? And that's all we're trying to do is talk about these real experiences that happen to people who are at their bottom and they scream out, God help me, and they're willing to do anything to move toward the light, right, Susan? Anything to move toward the light. And there's something quite often that's triggered by our indulgence in the seven deadly sins of pride, anger, envy, greed, lust, sloth, and gluttony. There's usually something involved that opens ourselves up to the cloak being thrown over the light that we seek. Right, Susan? Oh, absolutely. You know, 
I like to speak in, in, uh, in idiom and metaphor. I can't, you know, <clears throat> I've always had trouble communicating. All right, listen, we're going to get right down to it. Give us a good <clears throat> example, Susan, of something that really um, discouraged you when you really wanted to, to just put the plug in the jug and stop using and, and acting out and just to just to move toward that light. What happened in your earliest experience in recovery? When I first started going to uh, program and meetings in recovery, uh, I was in Orange County and I was traveling a lot of the toll roads and um, I had workshops I was doing as an actress and and I was doing um, different study courses and uh, I had what they we would jokingly call a guru, but she she taught meditation and uh, transcendence. And so I was already seeking. Um, I went out on some auditions. I did get a couple of uh, jobs. They paid. The one thing I had always wanted to do was to get a good contract like any good actor. And I wanted a good contract. I wanted to be in a sitcom. It was something I was really shooting for. And I got a call from my manager and he said, you've got it go in and nail this thing. And I was excited. Uh, I had just finished something, uh, an enactment I did a week before, and I was on top of it. So I got my car. I was dressed. I, I spent the whole morning prepping. I cleared my head so I'd be able to to read the script, know what they wanted. I made sure that people went ahead of me so that I, I studied the character they wanted me to represent. And I was going to go in there and win this thing, and uh, I'd just been very new in recovery. I'd just started going to meetings, and I had gotten through uh, car accidents that I'd talked about previously, and, um, you know, some I thought things were turning, and uh, I got in front of the camera and uh, started to give the information they need. And uh, name, birthday, things like that. They always ask the simple things up front. And then it was time to do the read. And I started to read and I stumbled. They said, don't worry, let's do it again. And uh, so I did it again and I stumbled. And immediately, immediately, I could feel the dark. I could feel the shadow. I could feel the the. It would, I wouldn't say it was emotional yet because it didn't hit me till I was out of the room and ran down the hall. But this director who was doing the read with me said, I want you to do it again and get it right because you had it. And I looked at him and I thought, no one gets a third shot. What is this? I had this deal. And I looked him straight in the face and I just said, I'm done. He said, What? I said, I'm done. I'm not ready for this. And I turned and I grabbed my bag and I literally ran out the door and I was angry and I was, you want to talk darkness? I was dark. I'd never done anything disrespectful for anybody's time like that or anything. But what I'm trying to describe here is that then I got in the car and I started crying. And then I pounded my, my steering wheel and I knew I knew this was not what God wanted for me. This was not what I wanted for me, but something had me. 
I knew something had me. And that's what I'm talking about. And I think that's what you're asking about. Wow. You know, what a perfect way to end this segment, because when we get back, we're going to go ahead and, and slice and dice what happened to Susan. All right, we're talking about shame. We're talking about this split personality, this this duality, this this hidden personality that, that we're not even aware of sometimes. And there it was, paralyzed with shame, you know, victory, you know, or defeat. It just, it was, it was a defeat and victory was so close. We're going to be right back with Susan C., Toby C., Fourth Dimension, Evil Resistance during Early Recovery. sense out of nonsense making you as curious and uncomfortable as possible with the truth you've landed in the fourth dimension with toby c susan yes that was a ghost story um you know there seems to be some debate as to whether or not Demons or the devil can possess people. Um, but I'll tell you this. Have you heard people in recovery pray the Lord's Prayer? And when it comes to the part of the Lord's Prayer where they say, and keep us from temptation and deliver us from ego. Oh. But they say ego. Ego. Mm-hmm. How interesting. So right there, people are just not willing to, to uh, they're, they're discounting the existence of something dark and something evil, and they're maybe paralleling it and considering it on, on the equal level of their ego, okay? And uh, in that sense, I suppose, if, uh, if our ego is evil, then maybe our actions can be controlled by a dark, self-serving energy. How about that? And, you know, it doesn't have to be exorcist, you know, the movie exorcist type of possession. It can be something as simple as falling for the simplest temptations um, and being handed into the, into the arms of evil because we, we slipped. Hmm. We, we stopped paying attention. So you had a panic attack at this experience and you were supposed to go in and nail this thing and you didn't and something overcame you and you had about a week of sobriety okay you were you were feeling good you know clear-headed i mean you were solid something happened and all of a sudden all of a sudden defeat was snatched out of the jaws of victory you had this thing and all of a sudden you didn't, and you, you left, and you went to your car, and you wept. You know, was that God, Susan? Was that God? Was that did God really want you to experience that? No, 
No, I don't think so. I mean, I would, I'm not a betting woman, but if I was to bet, I, I would bet that it wasn't. I, looking back on my history, and maybe there's more to discover, but just looking back on my history and that particular story, which I've looked at quite a bit, um, I've had some blocks. And in that particular case, um, I couldn't get into any character. I was too into me. And there was a darkness, there was a shadow, and there was a, a an inability to connect. And if you can't connect, it, I couldn't do a show like this if I couldn't connect with you. I there would be nothing to pull out or talk about, you know. This this was a defining moment in your in your career. I mean, this is oh, yeah. this is getting ready to launch you possibly into a sitcom and some really serious uh, acting and, and work. And they wanted uh, me to have it. They did. And all the stars and the planets were lined up, Susan. And I ran. <laughs> there it is. And, and, and by the way, and by the way. Ran. Yeah. And, and you were experiencing such, such anger after the disappointment and, oh. the, and the confusion and, and, and why, God, am I feeling this way? And I'm sure you had a little talk with God, you know, but you felt angry. Oh, I said, what is wrong with me? That's what I said. There you go. I said, what the hell is wrong with me? And I did get scared, and I drove away, and I was somber, and um, I think I just kind of shoved it down and and, uh, and didn't think of it for a long time. You mm-hmm. know, obviously, I do other things now, and they're very rewarding. But, you know, I... I have other stories with that, too. It was a very dark period. And if you want to talk dark, I mean, I've had things happen, uh, you know, but I don't know. I don't want to take us down the rabbit hole. It's got to be an early recovery. It was in early recovery. Tell me something. Tell us something that really just blew your mind that was really weird the first few weeks or the first few months or maybe in the first few years of recovery. Okay, here it comes. Yeah. All right. Right. I'm in my first 30 days of recovery, and I had a sponsor, and I had gone to bed, went to sleep, was starting to do my first, second, and third step, and um, seeking, trying to figure out, you know, I I had moved out of L.A., I was living in the desert, and, uh, you know, I had no reason to have any fear, nothing. Uh, I went to sleep, and uh, in the middle of the night, woke up to a very dark voice that said to me, I could kill you right now. And in this conscious moment or subconscious moment, I said, and if you did that, when you came back, I would be cold and there would be nothing for you. And it was weird because at that moment they left and I was left with a very fleshy feel in my body. So, was there somebody in the room? No, you're positive. Positive. Okay, so so you're... I ended up telling my sponsor about this experience, and I went up to a special meeting. I think it was up in Whitewater or Cabazon or whatever, and um, there had been other people who had experienced things like that, and they it was a regular meeting, but this chieftain talked to me after the meeting. It was on the res. And uh, had agreed, gave me some beads, and and had agreed that they'd be 
praying the way they do it and uh, just to believe and it wouldn't come back. And a month later, if you want to hear it, a month later, I woke up to the sound of two masculine fighting spirits. And, uh, and it was done. And never again have I had a bad dream. Ever. Okay, these two experiences, this visitation, if you will, and then this kind of vision, subsequent vision, did these, did these discourage you? Or did they give you more courage after you spoke and, and dealt with the chieftain and, and he kind of told you what was going on? But the, the the immediate experiences, when you were having the experiences, Susan, did it discourage you? Did you did it affect your will to want to get sober and to want to stay sober and to want to move toward the light? Did something in either of these experiences move you toward the darkness? I had to move towards the light. I realized at that moment I needed to stop questioning where I was at. And then ironically, I read in the big book, it, it told me to read a passage in there. And I don't know the name of the page. You may know it, Toby, but I don't. And it says, see where religious, you know, to go back into your past and see where religions are on the right path, I think it says. I'm, I don't know the perfect quote. But anyway, I did read that coincidentally which we don't believe in coincidences, after that. And I decided to go very simple and go back to my child life faith and just begin over and leave everything I knew or thought I knew behind. It did scare me. That's why I'd gone to my sponsor and went to that chieftain who brought it to a medicine man. Hmm. And I don't follow the Indian ways. I'm not a sweat lodger, hmm. but I will say that I do have my own beliefs uh, um, that there are there's one God. Gotcha. If you're just joining us, I'm Toby C. I'm here with Susan C. We're talking about evil resistance during early recovery, and we're just mashing out a good ghost story with Susan. It's It's wonderful. We're talking about talking about a visitation and an experience, um, a real reckoning, a real humbling experience, something that really kind of, it was a reset almost to your faith, if you will. I want to bring, I want to kind of rewind back to, uh, to that experience back up in the industry, you know, that life-changing, you know, fork in the road, if you will. Um, were you angry at God a little bit? Were you? At were you, that time. Were you, you were at that time. I had I had questions. Let me put it that way. Yeah, I had questions. Of course, why? Well, I've never thought of myself above God, but I did have questions, and I was like, "What the heck?" I mean, there are so many situations in my life where I said that. Beautiful. Was was why God one of the questions? Why? Why? Well, why, my, why I grew why? up with a mom who was like, "Why not?" So that rang in my head. But uh, yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Is it possible that this terrible experience in the industry that you had this fork in the road, is it possible, Susan, that this was part of God's will? That ultimately this, this humbling experience, if you will, may have been to get you back on the beam, get you back on the right rails, so to speak. Because in fact, and we've, we've talked about it, we, don't, we kind of glossed over it a little bit, but there was some pride going on, man. 
there is some real pride as far as your talent. You're you're beautiful, and you come from a, a pedigree of, of 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 industry people. So you, this was yours for the taking, and 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 it was denied you, and that was a humbling experience. But at the time, you didn't think of it that way, did you? I felt like a failure. You know, of course, of course. And does God want you to feel like a failure? Of course not, Susan. No, and I was bewildered for a few years. Um, when I got to the desert, I realized some things, and it did point me in way better direction. Um, and like I said, there's some wonderful things that have happened um, that I'm very successful at, and I'm grateful for it. Um I'm glad I didn't end up living out my life in Los Angeles. Could have been extremely different. Sure, or, or Orange County. You're in Orange County. And too. hey, yeah. hey, hey, I'm not going to put that. There's great recovery there. I mean, you know, we just land where we land, and that's where we're supposed to be. So, yeah, today, different woman, different human being, extremely grateful, very, very much in the light. But back then, we're talking about the darkness, and we're talking about, you know, entities and spirits and open doorways. And I had plenty of open doorways, and God said, if that's what you want, that's what you get. When we come back with Susan, we're going to go ahead and finish up our show. She does have another ghost story, and it involves the emotional angle of recovery. You know, there is something called emotional sobriety. I don't know about you, Susan, but for me— the drunk starts long before the first drink. And, uh, and for so many of us, um, the emotional battles that we, that we experience in early recovery can be very, very discouraging. Can they not? Oh, yeah, definitely. So it's a ghost story. You're going to want to stick around for this one. And again, we're going to be talking about how to overcome despair and being disconnected and shame and anger and duality and panic and arrogance and all that. But we are going to touch on something important called codependency. One of my favorite subjects. What do you think, Susan? I think it's exciting. All right. We're going to be right back. Toby C. here with Susan C. Name of the show, The Fourth Dimension. Talking about evil resistance during early recovery. Be right back. testimonies about the evil influences interfering in our most desperate and hopeful moments in life. Here's Toby. Susan. Yes. You've got one more ghost story up your sleeve before you kind of tell us how you got control of your life and got control of sobriety. But before you got control of your life and got control of your sobriety got on the beam, so to speak, and you know we try to maintain a spiritual condition, if you will. But in the very beginning, it was a real bumpy road. 
in the very beginning we were raw. Were you raw in the very beginning? Oh, very. Very raw, very unknowing, very uh, something's got to be better than where I was coming from. Yeah, emotionally vulnerable, emotionally raw. Mm -hmm. Did he show up in early recovery? Oh, my God. The white knight on the, hor- <laughs> on the horse, you know, right? No. Way to save the day? No. No, 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 no. no. But, you, but you found a good one, you thought. Somebody that, you know. God showed up first. That's where we left off, right? Okay, God showed up first. And I can't tell the story unless I acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. Because it didn't happen till four years into recovery, And then I remember praying like, okay, I'm lonely. (laughs) I'm still a young woman and I'm lonely. And, you know, is this it? Mm -hmm. And I had accepted, you know, this beautiful life that I was in and creating with God. And, um, but I I began praying for it. So, yeah, um, somebody did walk in, you know, uh, after a few dates. And uh, with other people, you know, um, and it it happened very organically. What does organically mean? It just, you know, I was out and I was with my family and and they were out and how are you and met through my my kids, actually. Uh, So it happened very organically and they were in the program as well. So that was a plus. I was very, very hesitant. But at the same time, like I said, I was willing and it, 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 it. It started out very nice, and it grew, and we were together for a total of six years, and um, there was a lot of good times. I had to learn how to have fun with another human being again. I, um, I, I had other kind of fun, but I really did not know how to share time and space so much, and I found myself, you know... Uh, Unable to do those things. So I listened and learned. And then, you know, certain things happened. And uh, I would call my sponsor. Let's get down and dirty with this, okay? I would call my sponsor and he would leave and I would panic. Remember, panic's just such a big part of my recovery, you know. Oh, God, this is going to happen. Oh, God, that's going to happen. I run. (laughs) And that's a really, my first ghost story is the perfect example of how I dealt with things in an unhealthy way. So panic is a close cousin of fear. For me. And, And does God want us to live in fear or does God want us to live in faith? Well, I have to agree with you. It's in faith. And what I did was when, when I panicked, I wasn't even aware that I was in fear yet. I, I split, cry, process, and realize, oh, that was fear. <laughs> so you were living, but seriously, you were living in fear, Susan. Mm-hmm. In that you, relationship. And, 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 and this fear of the seven deadlies, look at them right there. What do you think the fear, what, 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 was, what was really underlying that, that, that fear? That you're going to lose something that you had, that uh, all the above. <laughs> you know, you think? I think the list you're showing me for your audience' sake says pride, anger, envy, greed, lust, sloth, and gluttony. Um, those sound really gnarly and nasty, and a perfect open door to your demons. But what I would have to say is, at any given time. I've experienced a little bit of each one of those along this road 
uh, in recovery and in the situation with this ghost story of meeting this man in recovery um, had a lot to do with lust. And then I loved it so much and it felt so good. I confused it with love. And then I went through attachment and I had to learn how to detach in order to function properly. And um, all of this while keeping it under wraps so he didn't know <laughs> with my sponsor. <laughs> it was hard work. <laughs> It sounded like a fantasy relationship in, in, in one sense. And fantasy is a close cousin of denial. And uh, where was the darkness, Susan? Did you really hit a real dark, dark spot yeah. in this relationship that almost took you out and, and almost told you, hey, life and sobriety is just not worth it? What do you think? Mm, boy, that is a question. Okay, so at a certain point, I had to admit that one of my underlying, they call them character defects, was that I had a core belief of how men were in my life. And my core belief was that uh, if they knew me truly, they wouldn't love me. And the other core belief was if they knew my world, they'd judge me and leave me. And the other core belief was that if I truly knew them, I wouldn't love them. And the same thing with if I knew everything, I wouldn't say. And so there's such a duality with both of that. Who can survive any relationship with those types of core beliefs? It's already doomed before you even began. But as long as it stayed in the romantic arena, I was happy. So um, it had nothing to do with reality. It had nothing to do with love because we all know love is unconditional, right? But I didn't know anything about unconditional love. And so what happened that was horrible is that... Um, I codependently was taking care of my kids. They were in and out. This happened for me, not to me. These kids were a mess. They were in and out of recovery homes. I was going to meetings and crying my eyes out. I was trying to keep above water with them. So um, my young son had almost died. We picked him up off the floor from fentanyl and... Um, I began to stand up, talk with my sponsor about all this stuff. Did you make this man by any chance your higher power? Big question. That's a big, big breath. That is. Okay. Hold that answer. We're just wrapping up a good ghost story here with Susan talking about evil resistance, the evil one that's um, omnipotent. <laughs> kind of like God. If God's there, Trust me, there's the antithesis. There's a negative energy opposing God's will. We're going to finish up our show talking about one of my favorite subjects, codependency. See, we talked about it earlier in the program that the drunk starts long before the first drink for so many of us. It's called emotional sobriety. And something wants to mess with our emotions. I don't know about you, Susan, but a God of my understanding wants me to feel good about myself. And something out there 
wants me to feel bad about myself. And I don't think it's God. I do think that God does test us when we get a little bit uh, in front of our skis, so to speak, okay? And we get a little ahead of ourselves. And we've talked about that, that possibly that's kind of what happened in your fork in the road. But now we're talking about early recovery. Susan's getting some traction. She's got four years. She gets into this great relationship. And I asked you, is it possible that you, did you make this man your higher power? Did you use him as your sole source of identity, value, and well-being? Did you try to use him as a way of trying to restore your emotional losses? That's the preamble for Coda, by the way. What do you think, Susan? I did. I think we all knew the answer to that. And uh, I didn't even realize it until some painful circumstances came up along the way and uh, at about 10 years sobriety. So that put us together six years and some months. And uh, I, we had COVID going on and all that crazy stuff. Uh, I, I had to take a look. I mean, we left off with my son, uh, you know, and things like that. I was deeply, deeply codependent. I, I had no desire to drink or use or, or use anything mind-altering. I'd worked on some areas in sobriety. Now we're getting down and dirty. I had to look at my codependency. I was absolutely unhappy, and it was totally dependent on somebody so unfairly. And... Um, you know, sometimes you're you're in a situation that has to push you, and the darkness will push you if you are like where I was at and you needed it. It did. It doesn't sometimes happen to you. It happens for you, and that's what I've learned in recovery. So I had to step into the light. I had to do the necessary stuff. I had to talk to somebody, and I had to get some help, um, and the help has, has been there Um you know, he ended up having an affair, which was beautiful. We ended up splitting up very uh, good based on recovery. It took four months, but sold everything and launched into an independent life, learning how to not make people my higher power. That was a big deal because I blamed him for darkness and light and everything else. Sure. And by the way, listeners, you know, again, we talk about Early recovery, and early recovery can certainly be ten years into this deal. Okay, you know, one of the one of the uh, one of the passages in in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous says that there's a long period of reconstruction. You know, and all we really have is today. So every day is a new day that we can walk hand in hand with our brethren. Give me give, where's that book? I want to quote it. Anyway, but serious, um, the codependency may have always been there, okay? It may have driven a lot of our behaviors long before we were well aware of it. You know, so many of us, Susan, we don't come into recovery on a winning streak. We come in on a, a, a riding a, a wave of, of low self-esteem for some reason. And because of that, we're vulnerable. Do you think you were vulnerable to this, to this companion um, because of your codependency? And you kind of set yourself up uh, for this hurt. What do you think? Absolutely. I. But you even, were sober. Wait a second. You were sober. You were on the beam. How could this have happened? That does not matter. The bottom line is that I had to fully, fully see through my own experience. I'd heard it. People had told me about it. 
you know, through their experiences and things like that. I thought I was the exception. <laughs> but, you know, oh, I just got to focus on my number one problem and go to a meeting and, you know, and I'm not making light of that. That's important. Okay. But there came a turning point in my sobriety where I had to look deeper. I had to go deeper. I had to quit blaming. And I had to take a look at how I set myself up to hurt myself and how I set up others to disappoint me. Yeah. We talked about shame again. You know, shame. Oh, evil shame. Shame is evil. It is evil. It's an evil tool, you know. (laughs) We use it against ourselves. We use it against others to hurt them. Does God, it, does God want us to feel shame, Susan? I don't think so. Absolutely not. No. And um, it's probably the most useless emotion, and it's very destructive, but there it is. It's kind of part of our makeup. You know, and, and again, we're survivalists, okay? That's just how we roll, okay? But a lot of us have, have, we just haven't outgrown this survivalist instinct where we put the, the bite on others emotionally for more than is due us or possible. That could have been happening long before this relationship. Mm-hmm. But you were aware of it, and that's what happens in recovery. It happened in my youth. Um, before I ever picked up a drink, I had an unhealthy dependency on my mother. I mean, it was it was deep. Was that evil? It might have been. I think it's generational. You know, I wanted to point, something that just came to my mind is, in my search for the light, okay, the opposite of evil— in my search after experiencing the evil and in in my what i believe were demons whatever from the previous story my ghost stories but the bottom line is that someone told me and i can't remember the exact person to look up universal laws and that helped me in my search and and my quest to find my higher power the great hp the spirit you know the creator um And when I looked up universal laws, it helped me take responsibility for my own decisions and my own behavior, especially the law of cause and effect. Mm -hmm. Because you can't deny it. Throw an apple up, gravity makes it go down. And you do this, this happens. I asked you if you made your mother your higher power. Mm -hmm. Of course you did. And and of course, so many of us do. You know, that's just part of of, of growing up. We, We don't really... We can't really conceptualize a, a God of our understanding. So our, our leaders, our, our mentors are our higher powers. And I think ultimately God wants us to move away from dependence on others and toward dependence on him. And for some reason, so many of us, Susan, for sure, it's my story, we get stuck on stupid. I get stuck depending on myself or stuck depending on others. I had no idea that there was an, al- an alternative to myself and others, it's a power greater than myself. And something, Susan, something distracted me from that higher power. Right. You know, I think uh, it was ego for sure. It was pomp. It was calamity and turmoil. Chaos. Worship of other things and worship of other people. Mm -hmm. And it's all the, hate to use this word, it's all the antithesis of, of a loving God. God wants us to worship him and put him first. And by the way, you know, if you're, if you're in the 12 step program, one way that we learn how to put God first is by putting the needs of others first. 
we experience a God of our understanding expressing himself through the group, and we learn how to pay attention differently to the group and to other people. But it wasn't always that way, was it, Susan? No, no, and that's the truth. I mean, it wasn't always that way, but today it is, and I'm grateful for that. And I love that you bring it back to recovery, and I love that you talk about you know, we have to depend on the group and hear the stories. And there are uh, there are people that don't understand what happens in that group. And what happens is they call it the miracle of recovery, that if you just keep coming in and you just keep sitting there, you don't have to know why you're there. You don't have to know all the answers, but you come in and there is an, an energy. Call it a frequency. Call it whatever you want. You don't have to have the answers to God. You don't have to have the answers to know God. You don't have to know if there's a devil. You don't have to know if there's a spirit. The bottom line is that you go into this group, one, you're accepted, two, you hear from a multitude of people who have the experience, some with, gosh, there's some with 50 years now, strength, and then like we're talking about Toby, like the hope, like the hope and the light. And um, every group, every group, it doesn't have to be an AA group. Any group of, of, of a kinship of common suffering of people wanting to get better is a spiritual entity. That's right. And I'll tell you what's so cool about what what's so cool about the 12 step program, Susan, and maybe you can relate to this, is you may have heard the 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 the. Uh, the slogan about the uh, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Well, guess what, gang? 12-step recovery is different. I swear, and Susan just hit on it, if you keep coming back to that meeting, if you keep dragging your drunk ass every single day into that spiritual entity, something is going to change. Either you and your demon are going to pack it up and get out of there, or you're going to change. It's called the miracle of recovery. It's a phenomena, and it happens in, in something called the group conscience. It's, it's God consciousness as he expresses himself through the group. And something always, every single day, and you don't have to be brand spanking new, you can have 10 or 12 years, whatever, but something wants to, to depart us from that God consciousness every single day. And, and I've heard people misquote the big book saying that the devil or alcohol is cunning, baffling, powerful, patient, and deadly. Well, I don't think so. I don't think the devil is patient, okay? The devil wants me now. That's why he's tempting me always, and he always has. And he always will. What do you think, Susan? Last yeah. last few thoughts. Yeah, that's pretty deep. That's pretty good. <laughs> Toby. <laughs> um, yeah, he wants it now, all right. And he is fast, and he is furious, and he will tempt us in the most weakest area. In and our he's life. not deadly either. The no. devil's not deadly. He wants to keep us in a living hell. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, it always interested me how uh, the liquid alcohol was called spirits. And uh, I don't take that lightly either. The longer I'm around and the more I read, the more I research, because I'm one of those people. I like to research and uh, I like to look at both sides. And uh, as, as I do that, the more I learn and the more I see. And I always recommend to people when I meet them if in meetings or whatever do your research. Don't run like I was a runner. Do your research. Yeah. Hey, stick around, gang. I'll tell you, um, stay close to the program. 
It's a powerful program where two or more are gathered. There's some some positive energy that's trying to expel some 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 darkness, okay? And don't give up. Stay close to the program. Take the program, the spiritual angle of the program, very serious. Because I'm telling you, there's something really serious that's working against us. Right, Susan? That's right. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. I think it was a great show, Susan. Mashing it out with Susan C. I'm Toby C., the name of the show, The Fourth Dimension. And uh, we just spent a good chunk of time talking about evil resistance during Susan's early recovery. Thank you for having me, Toby. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Susan. God bless. 